This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jake E. And I'm Kit Harding. First, we must offer our apologies once again for our extended break and the fact that our holiday break took longer than, you know, the holidays. Someone displeased the mono vortex and got cursed. Are you still there? I can't hear you at all. Can you hear me now? Yes. I don't know what just happened. Uh, Could you retake that line again? Someone displeased the mana vortex and got cursed, and this has interfered with our recording schedule. I am not cursed. Could have fooled me. This is what happens when you make fun of it. It decides to show you that it's boss. I thought it just sucked people up and spat them back out. Depends how much you anger it. Anyway, now that we're back, we're back in top form with our top story, which is today, Upcoming Changes to Format Legality. In which we do away with pre-releases! No, that's not what's happening. Please do not start that scare again in the community. Citing tensions between players receiving cards at pre-release, but not being able to play them in sanctioned events until a week later, as well as digital events not making any real distinction between availability and legality. Wizards has decided that once you have your cards, they're legal and you can play them in tournaments. How is that not doing away with pre-releases? First and foremost, there are still pre-release events, And secondly, the packs in bigger box stores or even in your LGS still will not be officially on sale until the actual release date. Which is going to cause massive flash-in-the-pan price spikes of certain things any time this becomes irrelevant, since there will be fewer packs opened and copies in play. One reason reactions from the community... That's one reason that reactions from the community were, shall we say, mixed. This was hard to monitor because of a certain politician rising to prominence again during the speaker election and making searching Twitter hard. Despite this, I have the utmost faith in your research skills. As you should. Though in this case, we fall back on the standard. Are reactions from the community ever not mixed? Occasionally, they've been just blatantly angry, uh, much like someone else here seems to be. And aren't those fun weeks? Not like that had anything to do with, you know, the the extended break or anything. Anyway, we are going to see some fun weeks soon. Instead, thank the Vortex. Dominari Remastered has... I thought that already released. Oh, no, that was pre-release. Sorry. Dominaria Remastered will officially release on January 13th, a.k.a. the day this episode goes live. And Phyrexia... All will be one is coming in February. Let's go talk to Diz. Thanks, Kit. The Minaria Remastered, as you said, is having its official release on January 13th, although Wizards did announce that there will be product delays in a number of Asian countries resulting in rescheduled events. 
As the second set in the remastered series, it draws from 27 sets associated with the plane. The Minaria Remastered is also the first remastered set to have collector boosters, which will have one set of exclusive cards in the form of traditional foil retroframe basic lands. Well, that is quite a mouthful. They did say the storm scale doesn't cover special sets. It is indeed. Collector boosters will primarily contain foil cards, and those that aren't foil are borderless or retroframed. Draft boosters will also include two retroframe cards in every pack. Standout cards will include a number of powerful old favorites. Sylvan Library, Vampiric Tutor, and Force of Will are just a few examples. Known to mechanics since it's a reprint set, but a number of old favorites are coming back, including Cumulative Upkeep and Storm. As a supplemental set, Dominaria Remastered will not be coming to Arena, although it will be released on Magic Online on the same day it releases in paper. The next main set is Fyrexia All Will Be One. Previews will be starting on January 17th, so we don't have a lot of information yet. In keeping with Nexus's policies, I won't be discussing leaks on Fyrexia All Will Be One, so we'll be waiting until our next episode when the previews begin to find out more. Pre-release for Fyrexia All Will Be One will begin February 3rd, arena release happens February 7th, and the pre-pre-release with Loading Ready Run will take place on January 28th. Back to you, Kit. <laughs> Thanks, dudes! We're going to take a brief break now. When we come back, we'll be talking about more product delays, leaks, and more. Well, hey everybody, it's your all-time favorite used card dealer. I'm here today to provide you with just one immutable, unstoppable truth. And that is that no matter where you get your used cards, they're all coming from the same source. And really, that's just better for everyone. Just one total unit for sales, supply, and logistics. All will be one big happy family with the teachings of Mother Elish Norn. Come to any card dealer and you'll find the same products, all with one single purpose. Before we went to break, we mentioned product delays. Speaking of which, Hey Kit, do you remember the Heads I Win, Tails You Lose secret lair? I think so. I still haven't actually played any Commander. And I keep telling you we have the resources to change that. That would require a deck. First of all, it's not like you don't have cards you can make one out of, but aside from that, I assume that means you didn't order this lair. Um, would it have mattered if I had? I mean, since you probably wouldn't play with it anyway, no. It also depends on where you live. For example, if you live in the Asia-Pacific region, then you're likely bearing the brunt of shipping delays. In this particular instance, the online e-commerce platform Shopee apparently got tired of waiting for it to ship and unilaterally canceled all customer orders. It refunded them their money, but players still kind of, you know, wanted their decks. I don't blame them. Rare, unique art is the trait secret layers are sold on, 
so it's not like they can just reorder it. And wizards had their money for a year. It is kind of concerning that wizards can't seem to get its ongoing product issues under control, especially considering this isn't a new phenomenon. Nor is it isolated. Most of Phyrexia All Will Be One has already been leaked. And it's not even the official preview season yet. You see the problem. Major story beats spoiled, big reveals undone, completions auto-correcting to compilations. We look into the eyes of the Mana Vortex, and it descends, causing chaos and pandemonium wherever it goes! Yes, autocorrect is certainly the thing we can target with madness here. Generally speaking, I'd be happy to discard autocorrect without wasting even the madness cost. And you complain about my puns. And this is how you bring us back to an episode? Yes. Your puns are bad. Are you trying to imply that yours aren't? The chaos got a bit more chaotic when Dominaria Remastered shipped and some players discovered cards from Phyrexia All Will Be One in the Dominaria Remastered boxes, which was not an announced marketing scheme? fair there is some debate about whether this is a genuine mistake or some kind of stealth marketing ploy well the problem with stealth marketing ploys is the stealth aspect people weren't aware of it so it hasn't gone over well at all the rares replaced retro frame cards which were supposed to be one of the highlight pieces of dominaria remastered there was a lot of disruption in the secondary market and it's become incredibly difficult to avoid story spoilers, even if you have gotten off the Titanic-esque Twitter these days. But due to the sheer scale of it, it still seems like an odd mistake to have made with zero chance of catching it. Unless the Mana Vortex danced in the factory, it gives and it takes away after all. It gives spoilers slash leaks and takes away retro cards? Exactly! Kit, I feel like that's not how that works. You got cursed. You clearly don't understand how that works. I did not get cursed! If you keep saying that, you're not going to lift the curse. You have to take a complete set of fetch lands and lay them on the mana altar in a carefully wrought pattern, and then ceremonially offer a mana wheel upon it. Laying aside the fact that I'm far too poor to even remotely pretend this is a real ritual, Watsy has not commented on the leaks in any meaningful way, which, you know, par for the course with their seeming leaks and mistakes nowadays. Of course not. They don't want to admit they fell victim to the monovortex. Okay. You clearly need a break, so we're going to go take one. When we come back, we'll hear all about the competition season. We'll have a news brew segment. <laughs> Hello there! Are you ready to go face off against the Phyrexian menace here on Old Mirrodin, aka New Phyrexia? If so, you need two things. Number one, Maliris Cure All, Quick All, Fix All Ointment. All that ails you, all that oils you rather, I, I will be cured by this. At least that's the plan, we can't promise anything. And if it doesn't work well, we've got bigger problems anyway. But aside from that, you need your own personal piece of the Glimmer Void. Without this essential armament, you will be nigh defenseless against the horrors of the Phyrexian Hoarders. 
everyone. No, they do have quite a lot of stuff. I'm looking at the pictures now. Anyway, you need both of these, and then you can come join the Marin Resistance. All you got to do is talk to me. Oh, Boffet at the Resistance Camp Stalls. And more. We're back! Let's start with a look at the competition season. Over to you, Isa. It's a new year, and with it comes new competitions. The competitions of 2022 finished out with a regional championship at the MTG China Open. COVID restrictions meant the event was divided into four events, one each in Shanghai, Hong Kong, Beijing, and Shenzhen. The top two finishers from each of these qualified for the Pro Tour. We now look forward to MagicCon Philadelphia, which will serve as the major kickoff for the 2023 Pro Tour season. We're running a bit light on competitive news this week as we get back into the swing of things. After our break next week, we'll be offering up more details. Thank you, ISO. And now it's time for another News Brews. And this edition of News Brews, I have with me a very special guest today. Uh, Vex, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nick. Uh, No, it is our absolute pleasure to have you on as a guest. We always enjoy, um, I personally rather, always enjoy having a guest who shares my sense of humor. So I'm going to apologize in advance to any listeners who get this far in the episode. (laughs) So, uh, Vex, before we get the ball rolling on the decks that you brought with you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you've come to be part of the Magic community? Yeah, for sure. I uh, I started playing Magic uh, way back when dinosaurs were still roaming the Earth. Um, I was in junior high, and um, Arabian Knights had just left... Uh, uh, the ecosystem. So I, was gonna uh, I had no idea Arabian what I was Heights doing. Joke. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bet, bought, bought a total of one pack of Arabian Nights because that was still at the, you know, the they didn't even really have game sh- uh, stores back then. It was just the vague hobby shop that also sold magic cards, and of then course. really got into it with with dark, the dark and fallen empire. So basically every set looks like an amazing set compared to my formative experiences. <laughs> um, but uh, round about uh, ice age, I, uh, I faded out from it for a while. Um, and then years and years later, round about Theros, I was looking for something to do and uh, stumbled across uh, magic, the gathering again at uh, my local comic book shop. And, uh, discovered that it still existed and was really, really fun. Um, being the general human that I am, I got highly involved, eventually became an L1 judge, and um, now I mostly exist as a, as a shit poster. Uh, you can find me a lot on uh, on Twitter at uh, the underscore terroirist. Uh, the I in terroir is very important. I care about uh, food and wine and sense of place, not about making things explode, except when <laughs> I'm playing goblin decks. Um, uh, and I also do tend to guest on on streams whenever possible, um, and just enjoy playing uh, playing magic with people. All right, that's I. I mean, might have to have a separate conversation after this about guesting on a stream. Then, um, <laughs> so uh, here on News Brews, we always like to get right into the meat of the subject, and you have brought with you 
what you described earlier before we start recording as your second deck. So uh, why don't you tell us who the general is for this particular deck? Yeah, so this is a uh, Tesa Orzov Sion, uh, uh, which is uh, also known as Baby Tesa. That's the the three yes. mana uh, Tesa. <laughs> uh, okay, two three, and uh, you know w- when I have creatures die, uh, I get creatures, and I can sack creatures to uh, to exile things. She's so good. That version of her is so. She's incredibly good. badass. Oh, she's such a like as a, as a character. Yes, and so underplayed. Badass. She's so underplayed. One hundred percent agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, why would you not want a self recurring egg uh, removal engine? I don't know, but any whomst. Um. So what uh what is what do we have going on with this particular taste of deck? What are your meat and potatoes for these hundred cards? Yeah. So. My first deck was a uh, was a Felden deck, and I, you know, built it to the general standard at that time, and uh, it was fun. But the meat and potatoes for me is I like taking things and breaking them. Um, you know, so call these lots of eggs and such, and and uh, EDH mm-hmm. was very much an egg for me, and so I saw, mm-hmm. okay, we have this wonderful singleton format. I'm going to build a deck where I can put 32 of the same creature into it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I built Shadowborn. So I built Shadowborn Apostles. <laughs> I had a suspicion when you said that, but uh, you know, there's also a couple other choices, I guess. So you have to clarify, you have a Teso Orzov yep. Scion Shadowborn Apostles deck. That is exactly it. I I absolutely love this so much. <laughs> So what what are some of the things that your Shadowborn Apostles get? What are some of your favorite demons in the deck? I assume that's why they're there. Yeah. Uh, it is, yeah. I decided to avoid building it as a as a combo deck because I've always been more of a mid-range player. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, over the past, what, eight years or so, uh, as it's gone on, I've been taking demons out more and more, and it's kind of started to to change itself from being a let's get big demons out into just a an aristocrats deck where um it's really easy to have uh cheap one mana creatures that i can sacrifice for for fun and profit <laughs> um but a, a couple of my favorites uh that i have here uh westvale abbey um is absolutely on theme oh, it's yeah. a great land it lets me create human clerics uh it lets me sacrifice human clerics and it lets me get a, a big badass demon that uh really just uh inspires terror in everyone oh yeah um a couple of the other ones that i really like uh obnixilis uh unshackled uh is an absolute all-star in there um mm-hmm. because i use it as as very much of a gotcha so someone cracks a fetch or uh, or cast their demonic tutor, uh, and then whoops, there go six of my shadowborn apostles, and out comes a uh, a four four flying trampler that is going to punish you by ten life every time you search your library. <laughs> I, I... Um, <laughs> but but I'll be honest with you that the demon that I love the most uh, okay. is actually a, a mono white demon. Because uh, it always surprises people when I get it, and it leads to a couple really nice blowout swings, and that's Mirror Entity. 
Oh, God. Uh, for any listeners who are unfamiliar with the concept of mirror entity and wondering why it's a mono white demon, uh, mirror entity is a changeling from the original Mirrodin and Sh- I mean not Mirrodin, uh, Lorwyn and Shadow Shadowmore cycles. That uh, basically means that it can be anything, including a demon, any zone, and it and since it shares a creature type with others, it just turns everything into a giant beat stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so a- after swinging, a- after swinging, I-, I sacrifice six of the Shadowborns that have been blocked, uh, bring out the mirror entity, and then pump all of my mana into making everything giant uh, changelings that uh, are now unblocked and swinging in for lethal. That's. Whew. That's incredible. No one ever expects the mirror entity. <laughs> I I don't blame them because mirror like everyone. I feel like anyone who's ever been against a mirror entity or even played one knows how good mirror entity is. Just in a nebulous space, like yes, mirror entity is a great card. But I think when you when you think of like a targeted ability like Shadowborn Apostles, that's just not the direction most brains go. <laughs> And I love that for you because this is an incredible, this is an incredible strategy. And I, oh man, that's great. Um, so we know what the we know what the key what the key plans are here. You said it's an aristocrat's deck. What are some of the support veggies that get you to uh, to actually get on your way to draining and sacrificing everyone? Yeah. So uh, one of the keys is uh, is everyone's a. Uh favorite uh, guardian to the underworld, Aethreos. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, the original god of passage. Mm-hmm. Um, so this works as both a, a payoff and as a recursion engine. Uh-huh. Um, because um, for those who aren't familiar with Aethreos, uh, its ability reads that uh, uh, whenever another creature I own dies, I return it to my hand unless target opponent pays three life. Um, so when I sack six Shadowborn Apostles to to grab a demon, um, some very, very lucky fellow is going to have to choose between paying 18 life or giving me all of those Shadowborn Apostles right back. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> um, which is especially funny when I have Edgewalker out. Um, are you familiar with Edgewalker? I am familiar with it by name, but go ahead and read it out uh, in the event that our listeners are not. Yeah, so it's yet another human cleric, because, you know, we we are doing human cleric tribal here. Um, But its ability reads, cleric spells you play cost one white and one black less to play. That's Um, right. Which essentially makes all those Shadowborns that I've just returned to my hand uh, absolutely free to recast. I think that was over the card that spiked the over most. Over. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I I think that was the card that spiked the most in price when Zendikar three uh, came out because of all the party stuff. If memory serves, so that's kind of incredible. <laughs> that that's just ha- <laughs> I well, my brain hurts a little bit. Yeah, but I the, love it. One of the nice things about building a deck eight years ago is it made me. Very immune to all of the price spikes. Yeah. Um, and this is... I feel like this is one of those decks that that the only thing you would ever really need to progressively change 
or if you just have a really phenomenal aristocrat piece come out of out of nowhere in a set or uh or just have discovered a removal spell you never knew existed, something like that. Like this seems like a, a deck you can keep very stable and not have to actually make a lot of changes to as sets release, uh, which is always a good thing because that means you, you yeah. know what you're getting. That, that's it. I, I've added some things like uh, Ellis Ilkor uh, mm-hmm. when that came out recently because oh well, why uh, that's you? letting me uh, do damage every time. Well. Absolutely, Zulaport, Blood Artist, and and Ellis um, are, are are the best of friends. Um, and then a couple of other uh, nice things, um, like the Rotlung Reanimator that's getting me zombies as my mm-hmm. as my humans die, and the Zathrid mm-hmm. Necromancer when that came out and mm-hmm. and went in. <laughs> um, the other big one that I added was Oubliette when I realized just how absolutely wonderful phasing. Uh, was. Uh, <laughs> I oh my god I I want to play against this deck but I also want to build a second Taste of Ors of Scion deck that is this deck because I love I love what you've done here just on a personal standpoint this is incredible alright so other than just Thanks, the existence yeah. I, I of... call it go ahead sorry Oh, I was just going to say, I call it my Clerics and Spirits and Demons Oh My uh, deck, because I, musicals are always uh, fairly close to my heart, and I was apparently yeah. thinking of the Wizard of Oz at, at the time. Uh, <laughs> but people can look for it on Moxfield as well, and, and it is there if they do want to see my deck list. Uh, and we'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well for anyone who just want to beeline straight towards it. Um, I mean, honestly, in this case, you could call it... Uh, just wizards and spirits or not wizards, clerics and demons and spirits, ah! because that's how scary it would be once this thing starts to get rolling. <laughs> um, so we, it, uh, it can be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet it can be. I would love to watch this explode. Um, so other than just the existence of the deck and the theme that you have going on, uh, what? It, what is the overall spice or sweetness or just your pet card or the thing you just love the most that you haven't talked about yet that comes into this deck? Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's probably got to be Rally the Ancestors. <laughs> um <laughs> Sorry, that's... Uh, because it, it's one of those. Please continue. Uh, it's one of those bulk rares that no one thinks of. Yeah. Um, and I remember when when it came out, uh, and it, it came out in uh, in the cons block. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an instant that can return things from from the graveyard, but they don't get haste, and they get exiled at the uh, uh, beginning of the next upkeep. So when I first saw this card, um, it didn't seem like it was, you know, I, I couldn't find a place for it in standard. Um, it's not a great card. Um, it lets you bring up blockers or take things in to, to sacrifice. Um, because everything that, that's there is going to be gone uh, by the time you get a chance to, to tap at anything. Thankfully, uh, the Shadowborns don't require a tap. And so for a uh, for one and, and two whites, I can bring back uh, every single uh, one mana creature, which 
actually yeah. are only Shadowborn Apostles, uh, from my graveyard, uh, bring them right back onto the battlefield, and then sacrifice them all again. I... <laughs> and I just really... One of the things I love about Commander is finding those semi-obscure, kind of useless uh, bulk rares and just finding a new home for them. For for lack of a better term, obscure and kind of useless, they, they both work very well for Rally the Ancestors. I... Wow! So for four mana, basically... I'm sorry, for five... No, 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 five, this is oh, because you have to pay the... Five because you have to pay the sacrifice cost twice. Uh, for five mana, you can get two of your biggest demons out just for no other reason than to do it. That's that's somewhat incredible. At, at instant speed. Yep. At instant speed, yeah. So someone plays... And then if I have Aetheros out, give, uh, give two players the choice of taking 18 damage or giving me all of those... Uh, those Shadowborns right back. Exactly. So someone's playing one of their tutors. You, People like choices, right? Right? Exactly. Someone's playing one of their tutors. You decide to go get your Obnixilis to punish them for it. Someone decides to do something else in response just before, like, crack a... I don't know, do something else sillier. Crack another fetch land or something to get it out of the way before your Obnixilis comes out or something, because they're just imagining the line of play. You cast the Rally of the Ancestors, do it again, get Obnixilis on the first trigger, and a completely different card off the second. I absolutely... God, that's so good. It's my favorite kind of control that's not control. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that takes us actually to about uh, where our time limit is. So we'll just have to have you back on uh, on a future episode to talk about a different deck, I guess, because I want to see much more of this deck building style. <laughs> um, in the meantime, uh, you did mention your Twitter. Uh, is there anywhere else that our listeners can find you if they want to uh, go see other stuff you do? Uh, Twitter's the, the best place to find me, and then uh, just also keep an eye out on a lot of the people who who stream on Spell Table because uh, <laughs> I try to make an appearance about once a month on on someone's stream just so I can get a couple more games in. All right, sounds like a plan. Uh, and once more, thank you again for joining us and telling us about this absolute masterpiece. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Nick. Thank you so much for having me on. That does sound pretty neat. And to conclude on a suitably ominous note... Quote-unquote suitably. To leave a proper sense of drama after our hiatus so our listeners will feel inclined to tune back in. Wait, should that be a question? Suitably, should that be a question? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, suitably? To leave a proper sense of drama after our hiatus so our listeners will feel inclined to tune back in. You you have to understand that they can't have the sense of drama until they've already tuned back in, right? You got cursed by the mono vortex. You don't understand how it works. First of all, how is that even relevant to this particular note? Don't answer that. I don't want to know. Secondly, I did not get... You know what? <sighs> Never mind. Kit, what is this ominous note upon which we are concluding? Magic is going to change forever in 2023. Is that all? You're taking this very calmly. 
Well, I probably wouldn't were this the first time I'd heard that from Wizards. They've been claiming things are going to change forever very frequently. Uh, War of the Spark was supposed to change everything forever as well. I don't think they just mean the story this time. Well, taking that into account, then yes, this this would be a tad more ominous. Thank you. We don't know in what way it's going to change forever, because WotC is once again announcing their announcements, which does seem to be backfiring a bit, because it's building up anxiety for more than hype. It makes absolutely no sense that they are so willing to announce their announcements but neglect other important replies and announcements, thus destroying the trust of what has to be the majority of their player and consumer base. Dun dun dun! <laughs> That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news. And.